This podcast exists for entertainment purposes only. Before making any investment decisions, please contact your financial advisor. Welcome back to Man vs. Market, the show that compiles all of the information that you need to know for this next week in the stock market and the economy. Episode 13 of Man vs. Market is being recorded on Sunday, July 31st. Any information or data that comes out after this will not be included in the episode. Again, huge shout out to all of you guys for helping me get Man vs. Market into the top 2% of all global podcasts. This has been an absolute dream come true, and I cannot wait to keep providing you guys with content. This last week was absolutely jam-packed with economic news and data, and for that reason, this episode is likely going to be shorter than normal, due to the fact that I have not actually prepared a broader topic to discuss, and will rather be focusing on the actual news and implications of some of the data that has come out. Now, let's jump right into the economic news. On Wednesday, we got the huge Fed policy update, where they announced they would be hiking rates by 75 basis points. And probably for the first time ever, we can say that a 75 basis point hike was a sigh of relief. As there were many analysts who were predicting a 100 basis point hike, which would have been the largest in many, many decades. The federal funds rate is now near about 2.5% which is actually a bit staggering given how quickly we went from zero to this level. Jerome Powell has said on several occasions that the goal for the end of the year is 3 to 3.5%. That implies about another 50 to 100 basis points of upside. Again, given my thesis that I don't think these hikes are going to effectively quell the inflation, I would lean more towards a 100 basis point rally by the end of the year rather than 50. And if we want to actually analyze this a bit further, there are exactly three Fed meetings before the end of the year. One on September 21st, one on November 2nd, and one on December 14th. One of the reasons that the markets rallied on the 75 basis point hike was when the minutes came out and Jay Powell said that future policy will be very data-driven, meaning that if inflation comes in even a little bit, we could see rate hikes come to a screeching halt. Looking at market implications of actual specific hikes, there is currently a 72% chance of a 50 basis point hike in September. Then going even beyond that, There is a 68% chance of a 25 basis point hike in November and a 50% chance of a 25 basis point hike in December. This implies that we are not going to see another 75 basis point hike on this cycle, which would probably be more bullish for markets than not. But we have to remember, due to these new data-driven hikes, the CPI consumer price index is going to be a lot more volatile in the coming months, as every single reading is going to mean much more for what the Fed is going to do with its tightening. Even more interesting, the new market expectations is that rates will begin to be cut as soon as May 3rd, 2023. This is another reason that the markets had a heyday, as this intense tightening is likely to lead to policy error, which will likely lead to recession, which will likely lead to swift rate cuts. On Thursday, we got the incredibly highly anticipated GDP numbers for the second quarter of 2022, and they were not good at all. The second quarter came in at minus 0.9% annualized compared to a 0.8% expected result, meaning we missed by 1.7%. Given that we had a negative quarter in quarter one, and now a negative quarter in quarter two, we have entered into a technical recession. The definition being two consecutive quarters of a contracting economy. The question here is, though we are technically in a recession, why is the media and so many other outlets saying that we are not? 
What is the definition of recession then? And why does it change? Well, the broader definition of recession is a business cycle contraction when there is a general decline in economic activity. We have historically used two consecutive quarters of declining GDP as an indicator. Well, according to the National Bureau of Economic Research, a nonprofit organization that typically defines recessions for us, has six indicators that need to go negative in order to declare recession, or at least a majority. Real retail sales, personal incomes, payroll employment, civilian employment, consumption, and industrial production, while only real retail sales has actually gone negative. So at this point in time, the National Bureau of Economic Research, or NBER, is saying that this is not quite a recession. On top of that, the unemployment number is so low that it would be almost impossible to say that we are in fact in recession. However, I will say, because we have had the two consecutive quarters of falling GDP, for all intents and purposes, we are in recession. And when it is all said and done, and we look back at this on a later date, it is very likely that the NBER will pinpoint now as the beginning of the recession. The part that is most confusing to me is how the political rhetoric will change depending on what is most favorable. Since World War II, every single time we've seen two consecutive quarters of declining GDP, it has coincided with a recession, and the NBER has declared it a recession every single time. So for simplicity's sake, why are we not declaring this as a current recession? Yes, the unemployment is low. Yes, most economic indicators are still positive. But that doesn't mean we're necessarily living in a crazy prosperous economy. Households are spending an extra $347 a month compared to last year. That is an absolutely outrageous number. So while yes, all these bureaucratic economists can say we're not in a recession, but just go out into the real world for a second. Talk to any blue collar worker, anyone who is living paycheck to paycheck. They will tell you they are nowhere near where they were financially a year ago. So yeah, the indicators may say we're not, but the smell test sure does. Another thing that's very interesting about this last week and this last report is that we saw exports rise 18% annualized in quarter two, which is actually incredibly surprising given the strength of the dollar. The dollar is near a 20-year high right now and should mean, in theory, it should cost other countries more to buy American goods in dollars. And despite this, we're still seeing very strong exports, but it should be expected we should probably see these numbers go down for quarter three. Another indicator that'll help us gauge whether or not we really are in recession will be the monthly labor report that comes out next Friday. The labor market has held up incredibly well over the last couple of months, despite weakening broader economic activity, and this will be maybe another signal on if that is starting to go. If recent earnings reports are anything to look at, we could probably expect to see some worse jobs numbers than the previous months. It seems like most major companies have done some sort of layoffs. And speaking of ERs, we had an incredibly strong showing out this last week. Even though some major companies like Microsoft and Google did miss expectations, the forward guidance was so positive that we managed to still rally nonetheless. As a matter of fact, the three big companies that we've added to our portfolio over the last couple of weeks all reported earnings this week. And all three, Chevron, Visa, and AstraZeneca, beat both earnings per share and revenue expectations, so not bad from a stock picking perspective. All right, let's now take a look at the charts for this last week and talk about the implications of some of the wild price action that we saw. The markets had quite the rally this week. Despite all of the seemingly bad news, the S&P 500 finished up 4.3% on the week, the Dow up 3%, and the Nasdaq up a whopping 4.7%. 
As a matter of fact, on Wednesday, the Nasdaq had its best day in two years, finishing up 4.1% on the day, which is actually pretty significant given the rally that we saw over the previous two years. The week did start pretty weak, and we were down as much as 1% on Tuesday. It was Wednesday that really changed the sentiment and began a three-day monster rally. FOMC and some more dovish remarks from Jerome Powell rallied the markets Wednesday. Some of the things that were announced were the 75 basis points hike instead of 100, and Jerome Powell saying that we are going to be seeing a lot more data-driven hikes going forwards. Oddly enough, there was a very high market implied probability of a 75 basis point hike, like we talked about last week. So the fact that the markets reacted this positively is definitely surprising. But we did close above that 400 level and close the gap at 401. Going forwards, these two levels should act as support for the bulls, which is an absolute huge win for the bulls after some of the disappointing price action that they have been unable to overcome over the last couple of weeks. On Thursday, the GDP numbers came in bad, but the market still rallied. Now this was the part that was the most confusing. Why does entering into a technical recession mean that the markets had free range to absolutely skyrocket? Well, there's a couple reasons that I could come up with. First, this implies that rate cuts are coming sooner than later. This aggressive tightening cycle that we're seeing currently has definitely not done the market any favors. If they are in fact bringing us into a recession and probably a little bit deeper than they are anticipating, there is a good chance that they will cut rates equally fast once it becomes too late. Second, the positive guidance outlooks from so many of these major companies has brought the market back to life and is a huge turnaround in sentiment over the last couple of reports. And after some surprising oil earnings on Friday, we actually pushed up to 412 on SPY, and we are now above the 50% Fibonacci level at about 411.50. Also taking a look at the daily chart for SPY, the 9-day EMA crossed above the 50-day EMA on the daily chart. This is a relatively bullish signal in the midterm, and now that we've crossed that 411.50, it should act as a light, light support should we try to push back to the downside. Now, I will say a few things that might put a pin in this rally. There isn't really any major divergences on the SPY, but if we take a look at the Qs, which is a very tech-heavy ETF, the QQQ, we see a very weak bearish divergence. It is weak, but a bearish divergence nonetheless. And because of this rally we saw last week, it wouldn't be outrageous to assume that we could see a small tech-led pullback this next week. Doesn't have to be anything substantial, but a pullback is probably more likely than not as we've made a really strong push really quickly. But as far as the price action goes in the technical analysis, the bulls are definitely in control. They have the short term, the midterm, and they are approaching the long term. If we can break above about 417 on SPY, we will have officially made higher highs. And though it might be a little bit early, I would even be willing to say that this longer term downtrend is coming to a close. Now, I, that doesn't necessarily mean that I don't think we're going to see new lows at some point, but a break above that level would technically mean we are again in an uptrend. All right, that's all we're going to touch on today. I don't want to go in depth on anything else or add anything to our portfolio this episode. I mainly wanted this to be a broader discussion on the recent economic news and activity that we've seen going on. And most importantly, what actually defines a recession? If you learned anything from this episode or enjoyed it at all, please consider leaving a review and sharing it with your friends. And on that note, I'll talk to you guys next week.